You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Who's the Boss? And I've only spoken on what I'm going to talk to you about once in two years. What is it about money that people hate to talk about and hate to hear about? I thought, why is this such a big deal? And I thought, well, part of it is bound to be that you turn on the TV a lot of times, and if you get some religious programming, it seems like they're not just teaching on money. They're spending lots of money giving you ways to send money and asking for money, and it just seems to be all about somebody getting money, bringing money in. I thought, well, maybe that's part of the reason that there's hesitation. People don't like it. But when you get through all that stuff, you know it's really not about that. Somebody said once, the last thing to get converted is your pocketbook. And people want God. They love this God thing. You know, God loves us, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried and raised from the dead to give us eternal life. Boy, I like that. I want heaven. And then He'll make your life better. There's peace, joy, there's love, there's all these things, and we like that. But then we say, now God, I like all that, but don't be messing with my money. Now there's the pronoun problem right there. Number one, it is not your money to begin with. Now the question today is, who's the boss? Now, either you run your life or God runs your life. This is about you and your life and how screwed up you're going to end up or are as a result of this. Now, let me give you a way to tell whether this is true. How many of you, if you think about your life, all your bills are paid on time, your credit cards are at zero, or you have zero credit cards, you have money in the bank saved up, you have a retirement account, You really have, if I said financial stress, you'd go, well, I don't have that. Now, my guess is this, that 80% of the people listening to my voice have got financial stress, at least. In our church and in most churches, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Did you know that? You know what that means? That 20% of the people in here give 80% of everything that comes in. And 80% of the people give 20% of what comes in. And you say, well, what difference does that make? That's not the point. We're not keeping score. But what does that tell you? What you are doing, and when you say, well, I give it somewhere else, that's great. I don't know who gives what. And I've never known that, and I don't intend to know that. You know why? Because what will screw with your brain quicker than anything is to have a church with a preacher who knows who gives what, and he'll follow those people, those 20% of those people around all the time. How are you today, brother? Good to see you. Uh-huh. Are you comfortable? You know, you're bound to whoever's giving the cash. I don't know. I'm not going to treat you any different whether you are or you're not. But I'm going to tell you something. Your life when it comes to money is going to be different. And one of the signs of spiritual maturity, I don't care how many verses you can quote. I'm interested in how many of you can live. And you cannot read this book. Maybe you've heard this statistic, but Jesus spoke more about money than he did hell. Because it'll bring more hell to your life if it's mismanaged about anything you can do. Now, some of you guys are broke. You say, no, I got a nice car. You are busted. You are leveraged to the hilt. You are stressed out every minute of every month. You wake up scrambling. You are juggling stuff, going around. And people say, well, no, I've got everything under control. You don't have it under control. And you have been living this way maybe for years, and you may die this way unless something changes. Now, I am not the best money manager on the planet. 
and I got a wife who can back that up and I need lots of help and CPAs and people who can help me do this and I don't always get it right. But guys, I got a money manager and there's some of the people in here who use it. And this is how this deal is set up. This guy is a bazillionaire and people who work for him give him funds to manage. And there's plenty of trading involved if you're interested in this. But he has certain interest that he wants a portion of the funds he gives you to manage to be allocated to. And the rest of the money that he gives you is yours to invest and to live on. That sound probably a good deal so far? You're allowed personal time with this individual and as much financial advice as you need. You can pick up the phone and say, okay, I'm supposed to, where do I invest this? I heard about a great stock tip, what do I do? That's the deal everybody's got. Now, if you're not a Christian, guys, this stuff may or may not apply. There are biblical principles involving money, but I'm not trying to get non-believers, people who don't even believe in God, to do this God thing. It's not that God can't use your money, but I deal with people on the flip side of this thing who think because they write some check to a church that they're going to manipulate God. You cannot buy God off. You cannot pay Him off. The Bible says that Jesus coming, living, and dying was a gift of eternal life. A gift by its very nature cannot be purchased. So you will not do anything to pay God back. You let Him make the down payment and you make the payments. It is all Him. But there's still people who try it. And I'll tell you some great ways to know which way you're going on this. If you try to write a check and blow a horn and say, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing, and get the attention for it, I can tell you there's not much spiritual maturity there. The Bible talks about not even letting your right hand know what the left hand is doing in regard to money. But God knows what you do. And he's the manager. He is the bazillionaire I was talking about in this story I'm telling you. Now, I want you to look in Matthew chapter 6 with me. And I'm really going to start out talking about this money thing. It has nothing to do with money. I'm going to talk to you about who the boss is. You see, if you don't find out who the boss is and who owns everything anyway and who you belong to and what is yours, if it belongs to you, it's yours. If it belongs to him, it's his. And if you don't figure these two things out, it ain't going to work. Now, I have plenty of conversations before we dive into this. And I'm going to tell you something. This stuff makes people almost, it not just uncomfortable, it makes some people mad because they'll say this to you. It's none of your business what I do with my money. And I say, that's precisely what's wrong. It is not your money. It's not even my money. It's his money. And people get defensive. They get nervous. They say, you can't tell me what to do with my money. I'm not trying to tell you to do anything with your money. But I'm telling tell you what, you better make sure you're doing what he says to do with your money or you are in for a long trip. And it is not going to get any better than it has been if you're mismanaged it to this point. Let me just read you a quick verse. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It's all His. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. It all belongs to God. Now I want you to think a minute before I dive into Matthew 6. If your way is working so great, why are you busted? Now, before I lose some of you, you say, well, you can't tell me what to do with my money. I'm not going to try to tell you, but guys, if you will listen to some biblical principles and apply them, you will be amazed if you will try God's way, what will change in your life. Now, this money manager stuff, if God says, all right, I'm the boss, you're going to manage some money for me, can I trust you? And he gives you, I mean, if I've got a billion dollars and I'm looking for money managers, I'm not going to give you a billion dollars. I'll say, well, here's, you know, a million dollars. Let's see what you do with a million dollars. If you manage a million dollars properly, says, you know what, I can trust this person. They're a wise investor. They do the right thing. I'm going to give them a little more. And you'll be amazed that when God can trust you with a little, He trusts you with a lot. But it's not about absorbing it and consuming it and spending it. It's about saying, God, use me to use these funds to do what you want done, where you get glory, where you get the credit for what happens. Guys, there is no better way of living. 
but you're going to have to make a decision primarily about who's the boss and who you belong to and everything that you have belongs to. Now look at Matthew 6, let's start with verse 19. And this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, famous place where He spoke and amazing things that He said. And this is what He said, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I know people who got houses all over the place. They don't even know what they've got anymore. I'm not saying it's wrong to have houses, guys, but there's a point at which you're just stockpiling stuff for nothing. You can't even use the stuff you've got sometimes. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But he doesn't say don't lay up treasures. He says just don't lay them up on earth. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's no moss there. There's no rust there to destroy. And there's no thieves to break in and steal. It's the safest place in the world to put your money is in heaven. Now, how in the world am I supposed to get my treasure? If I can't have it here, how am I supposed to get it there? It's to do whatever you do and will give whatever you have in Jesus' name for His glory, and it puts treasures over there. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be, does it? Now think about it. You would think that it would say where your heart is, that's where your treasure ends up. No. It says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So this money thing is huge. And it is a tough thing. You say, God, and it, you know, I get all kind of wacky questions. Well, do you give on a percentage on the net or the gross? Do you want to be blessed on the net or the gross? And it's interesting to me, people having this idea of what can I get away with giving to God? Now, I don't know a woman in the room that has ever been proposed to or is about to be proposed to that if some man came along and said, oh, yeah, I love you and let's get married and this will be great and whatever, then he goes to some diamond dealer and sits down and says, okay, look, I want the cheapest thing you got, whatever I can get away with. Say, no, no, nothing like that. That's too nice. No, I don't love her that much. Uh, something smaller, something cheaper. Do you have you know, anything fake? Let's give her something fake. Let's give her nothing. Give her a band. You know, when you love somebody, you're trying to figure out a way to say, look, I love you. I want to express this, right? God's the same way. And you go to God and say, okay, God, what do I got to give you? You know, I know I got to do this and the principal's working all that, but uh, let's find out what's the bare minimums here so we can go to the next thing. Instead of saying, God, I'll tell you what, everything I got is yours. What do you want me to do? I'll sell the car. I'll sell the boat. I'll sell jewelry, whatever I've got. God, if you got something you need done, it's all yours anyway. You just tell me what to do. I'm going to try to outgive you, God. I'm going to show you stuff in the Bible that people try to extrapolate and explain away and say, well, there's nothing in there that says if you give, you're going to get. It is all over the place. And it talks about seeds and sowing. You put seed in the ground, and what always happens, if you put one pecan in the ground, you know what happens? You don't get one pecan. You end up with a tree of pecans. You put one wheat seed in the ground, you know what? You don't get one wheat seed. You get a stalk of wheat. The seed multiplies itself. Now, don't misunderstand this, but you don't go planting seeds going, I'm going to get rich. Because the same Bible that talks about sowing seeds and being blessed says, don't strive to be rich. So it's not about being rich. It's not about consuming things. It's not about going around going, look what I got. It's about being spiritual and spirit-filled and humble and meek and not letting your right hand know what the left hand is doing. I mean, it's all in there and it's a balance of all this. But I'm telling you, if you do what God says to do, He will bless you. Who's the boss? Where is your heart? And why is it where it is? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Now, I'm not against lake houses and all this stuff, guys, but let me tell you something. A lake house, a boat, all this stuff, can consume your life. 
Because if a lake house or something is your treasure, you know what? Your heart's going to be where your treasure is and you're going to end up out there at the treasure all the time. It's one thing to own something. It's another thing to have that thing own you. And the problem comes when these things own us. I know people that wax their cars more than they read their Bible. 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. I'm looking at you, you know, I see light coming in my body because I have eyes to see with. I can see, there's light. But if your eye, verse 23, is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Poke your eyes out, you're living in the dark, physically. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, if you can't see it, you're not going to get it, and it ain't going to work. So pray to God that you can see that your eyes work so that when you read this stuff and see it, say, God, help me get it, because this is affecting my life. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot hold down two jobs at the same time. I didn't say you can't have two jobs. You can't hold down two jobs at the same time. If you're working two places from 9 to 5 every day, you're in trouble. Because you cannot serve both places at the same time. Somebody's getting gypped. And you're about to kill yourself trying to fool both people. You only can serve one master at a time. No one can serve two masters. Why? You'll either hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or riches. And those are the two contrasts he's making. You either are going to serve God, let him be boss, or you're going to serve riches and let riches be boss. And I can follow people around, and I'm telling you, you can see this as clear as a bell. You try to get people to go to some Bible study, they don't have time, but they'll go Sunday afternoon and work eight hours in the office. I don't want to step on any toes either, I hope I'm not. You know, people just, if it involves money and making money, they'll abandon everything to do that. I'll tell you who your master is. Somebody brings up doing some ministry thing and helping some needy family. Oh, I don't have time for that. But boy, if somebody says we've got to work overtime, man, they're there when it involves money. I didn't say you're going to like this message. I just said what I'm supposed to. I'm just doing what I'm told. And see, everybody gets real uncomfortable. Well, yeah, but i got to make a living. Guys, I'm talking about balance. I'm talking about finding out whether what you're doing is what God wants you to do or just what you've decided to do. And it's amazing to me, no matter how many zeros you add to this stuff, somebody makes $10,000 or $100,000, they add zeros to their debt. When it gets out of control, you can make a million dollars a year and be as upside down as anybody who makes $50,000 a year because you add more zeros to your spending. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. And by the way, just because you're rich and out of debt doesn't mean you're happy because I can tell you a whole lot of other people I know who got bukus of money and no joy, no peace, no nothing, no satisfaction. No matter where they go, what they buy, what they do, they got nothing. It is about having a personal relationship with the boss and making the boss the Lord Jesus Christ and giving him control of your life. You cannot serve two masters. Now verse 25, he gets us some very practical stuff. 25 says, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? And in this one, it's there to tell you what's happened in the verses before this. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. If you're going to serve God, not mammon, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? More than just food and clothes. And he gives you an example, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are you not more valuable than they? Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. And by the way, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to sow or reap. It just says they don't even do it and God takes care of them. What will He do with you if you do? 
Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now he's talking about feeding birds. Nobody, no baby I've ever seen, a parent standing over a baby worrying about it makes it grow. You've got to feed the baby. So by worrying, you can't add 18 inches to your height. You don't grow that way. Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. He says, look at the birds, they get fed. Look at the flowers, they're clothed by God himself. Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, he clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is sown in the oven. This is here today, gone tomorrow. Will he not much more clothe you? And then look at the last phrase, O oh, you of little faith. That's the issue. It's faith in who God is and what he can do. If God will feed the birds and clothe the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, why can't he take care of you? Now, guys, I'm telling you, this is for not just somebody in this room. There are a lot of people in this room hanging on by a thread. You are sucking air financially and you know it. And if you keep going the way you're going, it's going to get worse because you don't stop and you don't say, you know what, God, I'm wrong. You're right. Something's got to give and it's going to take a while to unravel. It's amazing to me you can go to Vegas and in about 30 seconds be completely upside down in the hole, 20, 30, 50 grand, whatever it is. You can sign your life away. What takes that long to make happen can take months and years to rectify but it's not that it cannot be done. And you're going to have to stop somewhere and do what the Bible says in regard to any and everything, and it's repent. And say, God, I'm changing my mind. I've been saying live in my way and borrowing here to pay this and just keep shifting. It's not working. And I can't do this by myself. I want to sit down with someone who knows about these things and get some advice, get a budget together, whatever it takes, God. But I am not going to live this way anymore, and I'm not going to die this way anymore. I'm going to get this straight. Is this ringing bell to anybody out there? See, I talk to me enough and talk to every one of you enough to know something's not working here. And the stress that's created by this in marriage, you know what the top three things are that create chaos in marriages? Sex, conversation, and money. Top three. And nobody wants to talk about them, and that's why communication is a problem. And when you talk about it, you don't get anywhere. You know why? Because you don't know what to do about where you get. You talk about this problem and go, well, what are we going to do? There are biblical principles that tell you precisely what to do and how to handle this. Now, I understand there are people who say, well, I'm not done trying it my way. Let me tell you something. Jesus is Lord, and he is going to be Lord whether you like it or not because he just is Lord. And until he is Lord over you and your house and your money and everything you are and you've got, it is not going to work. You cannot make him Lord by the very word. You cannot make him Lord over everything else but money and he be Lord. He's got to be Lord over all of it or not at all. Look down at verse 31. Therefore, do not worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, people who don't even know God described here, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. God knows what you need, but he wants you to need him more than these things so that when they come, you'll know they come from him and not from you. You'll depend on him. You'll trust him and see how he works in and through you. And the whole crux of the thing is verse 33. If you're not going to worry about all that stuff, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Every kingdom has a king. And until you find yourself seeking that king in his kingdom, your life is not going to work. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God, find out who the king is. His righteousness is what he does, what he's about. And all these things shall be added to you. What are all these things? What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. God will take care of you. You say, but I just can't let go. I'm scared. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. 
it's going to get so bad that you can't take it anymore and you're going to end up right here. And what I'm advising you to do and me to do is to say, you know what, God, let's not wait till we hit the bottom. Let's just go ahead and stop right here and assess the situation and see if there's anything we can do in spite of the disasters that may exist to shut this down. And I get myself into fixes just like you sometimes. It is amazing to me. You think, why is it such a big deal for God to be the boss? Because if he is not Lord now and all the time, let me tell you what happens to you. You say, okay, I'm having a good day. Everything's great. God's Lord. Jesus Lord, it's going to be fine. And you make it one day. And then you have one bad morning. And the devil waits to nail you. And here's what he does. He says, you know what? What are you driving this heap around for? And look at this car. Look at all these people around you. They got all these cars. Why don't you have a nice car? This thing never even runs. Let's get you a new car this morning. And he drives your person into a car dealership and they start telling you about these new cars and you're driving, test driving, and you know, I'm going to feel good. I feel good now. I'm in, I'm in the car. This runs. And they sign you up and work some deal and bury you with a trade-in and all this stuff happens. And within about an hour or two, you're in a brand new car. And you drive off that lot feeling good, then all of a sudden it hits you. There's a payment book coming that you can't afford. And Jesus was Lord fine, but all of a sudden for a little moment of time, you have temporary insanity. And you know what? They don't understand that. You go back to the dealership with the keys. You know what? Most of the time Jesus is Lord in my life, but I screwed up and I appreciate the car. But, you know, could I have my old junker back? And, you know, they don't care about all that. You signed your name and you're in, right? Don't go signing your name to stuff and buying stuff you don't need. The enemy is a snake, and he robs you of, number one, being financially free, not having being freaked out. And let me tell you something. If you are not doing the right thing with God's money, you are in trouble. And I can back this up with verse after verse after verse. And he will come after you. Not because he needs the money. We already know he owns everything. It's because you need to do the right thing with your money. Because if you're not doing the right thing with his money, you're not going to do the right thing with your money. You either give it to God or it'll end up somewhere else, period. You're going to make a bad decision somewhere. He may not get it directly, but someone else will end up with your money. You're going to make a bad decision somewhere along the way, either Vegas or somewhere, and all that money you thought you kept will be gone just like that. Man, I got to killer stock deal. I'm going to buy it. We're going to get rich. And boom, it goes through the toilet in about 30 minutes. You know, well, God, why did you let this happen? He says, you do the right thing with mine. I'll give you some advice on the rest. Verse 34, last verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Let me just make a suggestion today that you repent. And that word is two words in Greek that mean to change your mind and just say, God, you know what? I'm wrong. You're right. It's not my money. It's not my stuff. And I have screwed this up so royally. There's probably no way that I can see that we'll ever get out of this mess. But God, I'm wrong. You're right. I want to try it your way. 
And some of you are going to have to sit down with your husband, your wife, and look each other in the eyes and say, you know what, we may have to make some tough decisions, but let's decide we're not going to live and die this way. And we're going to pray about major expenditures, if not minor ones. We're going to make some changes in our life, but we're going to start out by doing the right thing with God's money. People always want to know how little do we get away with. The Old Testament standard for giving was 10%, and it talks about that was a tithe and offering. The New Testament always blows everything in the Old Testament away, so you can forget the 10% thing. That's minimal. That'd be just the law. Now, I think there's a certain amount that goes to supporting a local church, but guys, this is about getting into an attitude of giving, where when you're out there and God says, you know what, forget that, you skip lunch and give it to this poor man. You fast lunch and feed this person. And your whole life, 24-7, is God living in you and through you, saying, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to surprise that person. We're going to send a hundred bucks in an envelope to this needy family where nobody can get the credit but God. And just a little note that says, God taking care of you. God loves you. Something. And your whole life just spent trying to outgive God, not just with money, but with your time, everything you got, and getting into balance and experiencing the joy and all the stuff that comes from living that way. It is an unbelievable way to live. I highly recommend it. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.